Welcome to The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpy, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and columnist who has over a million listeners around the world. His podcast and YouTube show draws guests and audiences across the political spectrum. Well, hello, Rich. It's been a while. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, it's been a while. And uh, I have to tell you, your idea to do the Common Bridge or to bring the ideas into a modern media platform like this has proven brilliant. I am both humbled and honored that we've developed an audience. I think we're approaching about a million and a half engagements. Yep, right up about that spot, yeah. Yeah, and and some uh, great, great global rankings for news and politics and some great rankings, of inter- you know, especially in the UK. And, you know, I just want to thank my listeners, my viewers, and my guests, because I know people aren't tuning in to hear me, <laughs> but, you know, maybe on every now and maybe on occasion, uh, but we're getting some great guests, and I think people like the format, and, you know, we're off to a great start with season three with Robert Greenfield, episodes one and two, uh, getting a lot of uh, excellent feedback, uh, particularly this. People are going, hey, how come two guys can sit down, have a discussion, exchange viewpoints, work with each other, come up with an answer that works, yet the people that we hire to actually do this, you know, we elect them, that by i.e. hire them, don't do it. <laughs> That's right. And I, I think that's a uh, quite, you know, quite a legitimate uh, question. It is interesting. I'm going to take exception, though. You said something just a minute ago that you're not sure that people tune in to to hear you. I'll take exception to that because here's why. Out of the whole last season, in fact, this goes back two seasons now, and, and I keep track of this. I'm not sure if you do, but I do. What do you suppose was the highest rated episode that you had and you had some wonderful guests from jeff daniels in the entertainment world all the way through any in any political spectrum person you can find but which one do you think is the most popular all right so that's a good question i would think it would be jeff daniels matt taibbi potentially either of the two climate scientists uh, oh okay dr james baker on covid you just listed number two three Taibi, Daniels, and uh, Gettys. No, um, yeah, anyway, but you're number one. You, you actually garnered back on um, uh, July 4th. You did, you, you did a short talk on Independence Day, and I'm not sure. I mean, it was a very good message, but that really garnered mm. a lot of uh, responses, and that's the leader in the clubhouse after two seasons. Um, how, why do you think that was? It, 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 do you well, remember it, first of all? Well, first of all, you said it, it was short, right? So yep. maybe that, that <laughs> had something to do with it. But um, I, I really was inspired on that particular episode because it was the essence of the common bridge. And, you know, we were coming up to celebrate the birthday of the nation. And I thought about it in terms of you know, how do we celebrate people's birthday? We don't all gather and slam them for every time they fail to live up to their aspirations or for every mistake they made. Um, we celebrate that they're still with us. We honor them. And it's like people were taking the opportunity of the birth of the nation to slam it, which didn't make sense for me. And we have had some painful history. And that's that's the human experience. And And now where do we go from here and that's, by the way, I remember that because I got feedback from my friends, 
far to the far left, to the far right, to everyone in the middle where most people live, quite frankly. And they said that's what they really enjoyed was where do we go from here? And, you know, you want to keep rehashing all the injuries of the past. It doesn't work in any relationship. Any counselor will tell you that you can't kitchen sink things and bring things up from the past. You have to deal with where you are today and where you're going to go forward. And, yeah. and and maybe that was it. Well, that and it was short, too. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> there was, was also a context. There's also context in there. And I'm remembering it now. Do you remember? And this kind of feeds into uh, something I want to talk to you about a little bit. And that's political correctness, because it was that week that, so, that there was actually something flying around saying maybe we shouldn't be celebrating the 4th of July because, you know, we've been such a bad country for so long. And I think that that tipped you and said, let's Let's step back a minute. And I, th- I think that was the thrust of why you did that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, and a part of it, too, is that we're such a bad country. And just like logically would be if we were this horrible place, people would be on boats trying to leave and, <laughs> right. and people would be trying to go south from Texas and, and California and Arizona. That's not the case. And I've had occasion to talk to, you know, immigrants, especially recent immigrants, and they get the American dream, the opportunity that's here. And by and large, you know, most folks are coming here uh, to work hard, contribute to the society, to help build a better future, just like every other group that's been here. And again, unless you were part of one of the first peoples, that's your history. Yeah. Right. And here we are now. So now where do we go? That's all right. Now, forgot, what be, was the question again? I forgot what the topic was. So. Well, well, I'm, I'm going to move on, actually. I, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, ask you. I saw on social media, and, and you rarely post you know, personal stuff on social media, but this was fun. You had actually taken a trip all the way out west and went down Route 66, which um, from from uh, our generation was is still a thing. You know, and, and I think that's why you did it. It was a bucket list thing. What, what are some of your reflections on on that trip? Yeah. Well, the, first of all, the mother road was all, always held a fascination and uh, had occasion to be on segments of it from time to time. But this time, a good friend of mine and I accessed it in Illinois, came all the way to Santa Monica. I got a, lots of good coffee mugs now, <laughs> uh, a Route 66 shield. Um, all right. Yeah. A, uh, <laughs> yep. So um, it was really intriguing because, look, this is a great country. There's also a lot of people struggling. As you pass through Route 66, you know, frankly, most of it is in ruins. The interstate bypassed it. And those are interesting to see those ruins and, you know, the gas stations, the curio shops, the uh, motels, the diners uh, that once dotted the, the landscape along the Mother Road. But there are other places where people had either tried to keep things up to a degree, or in fact, went all in and refurbished them. So I'd like to give a shout out, if, if you don't mind, uh, to the uh, Blue Swallow Motel in Tumcumcari, New Mexico. A fantastic cool. restoration, uh, authenticity, uh, creating that uh, 1950s experience. And if anyone travels the Mother Road, please stop in. The other place, halfway along the route, is a place in Adrian, Texas, called the Midway Cafe. And the Midway Cafe, among other specialties, is pie. And their specialty of their specialties is coconut cream pie. Now, if I haven't lost the audience, it doesn't like pie or (laughs) coconut cream pie. Uh, But so we're driving along and we're like, 
pie, 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 pie. <laughs> it's a Sunday afternoon. And we get there at like 3.05 in the afternoon. And the door is locked. And it's, it's closed at 3 o'clock. Oh no! And so you know, we imagine we're kicking stones in the parking lot, and you know, what do we do here? Well, we're taking a lot of pictures, and I noticed movement inside, so I knock on the window, and the uh, woman who turned out to be a Michigander from South Lyon and Northville, wow. I said, "Look, you know, we drove driven all this way. Can we get some pies?" I said, "Oh, sure, come in." So I had a blueberry banana cream pie because they sell out of their pies so quickly. It was worth the wait. And my buddy traveling with me had the Elvis Presley special, which I know had chocolate and peanut butter in it and maybe pecan or something. So Adrian, Texas, Midway Cafe. When you're here, you're halfway there, I think is their slogan. Uh, But anyway, great, great spot along the road. One of the things about being off the beaten track, you don't see like obvious, ostentatious wealth on display. You know, some of the things we're struggling with in the country. As we got into Los Angeles area in particular, you see more of the tent cities, people just throwing in the towel and deciding to live in a tent. You know, we did talk to people in Arizona that had moved off the grid into a acreage in the middle of the desert because they just felt that was the better option. One couple had actually done that because he was unable to medically wear a mask and he was fired from his job for it. You know, when people want to criticize folks that are living in tents, you know, in some respects, it's not an irrational decision. If you look at the price of a starter home, by way of example, in California, and you don't have a home bequeathed to you, or you don't have massive dual incomes of substance, how do you get on that first rung of homeownership? With low wages, what's the point in in running on the treadmill and needing public assistance and Medicaid and the like? It's not completely irrational. Now, again, I didn't go into the tent cities. I didn't, you know, talk to people. One of these days, I'd love to do that. Say, who's there? Why are you there? And and have a discussion with them. But uh, I try to, you know, think about it. It's, it's not necessarily an irrational decision. It's a hard life. But it's not necessarily yeah. irrational. So let, let's move on to COVID. You know, with the mandates, it seems like you know a lot more people are getting uh, uh, vaccinated, and but the mandates are are causing a little bit more of an issue. But we're also seeing that more people are getting vaccinated because the employer base is saying, "Look, you got to get vaccinated or else." What are, you, what are your thoughts about all that? Well, look, I think COVID really highlighted the real problem in our country, and that that real problem, in my humble estimation, is uh, this twofold things. Number one, our leaders or those we elect expecting to be leaders are not in a position to say, "Hey, we don't know." All right, we we don't allow them to do that as an electorate, and we also don't allow them to say, "I made a mistake." Again, in you know, healthy relationships. You say, look, I made that decision based on the knowledge and experience I had at that time. I was making that for good purpose. It turned out not to be a good decision, but I've learned from it and I'm moving forward. Also, we've learned one of the three most powerful words in the world is I don't know, or we don't know. And this is the problem we got into with COVID is that we wanted rapid fire answers under a, a, a changing landscape. Yeah. All of the time. Yeah. And that 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 was true under uh, President Trump. It was true under it is true under President Biden. We've had governors make horrible mistakes, New York, Michigan in particular, and not be able to say, you know what, we messed up. And 
I think if you examine what's going on around the world and contrast that with like what's in the what I call the reporting industry, you know, right now, everybody in, you know, Sweden, Norway, uh, Denmark, uh, most of Finland, Texas and Florida is dead because they didn't do what they were told to do. Follow the science, the science that was never named. And now we're looking at Sweden being in much better condition uh, than most places and, you know, versus, you know, Australia, Michigan and, and other places that continue yeah. to struggle with this. So we've put our society in a position where we can't say we've we've made we've learned or we've or we'd make a different decision today. As it pertains to the vaccine, I think the data is really clear. The vaccines work like anything new. They're not without risk. Again, so anyone coming in with an absolute like, oh, there's no long term effect. You know, we hope there's no long term effect, but we just don't know because we haven't had enough. We haven't had a long term yet. Okay, can mm-hmm. we just say that? It, it's yeah. somehow we have to defy that. And the, this, this notion that vaccine status is the marker is crazy. All right. A vaccine is a way to get to immunity. And, and, we, and again, we still don't know exactly how the vaccines work. Do we need a booster? Do we not need a booster? Do we need a, a can we mix and match? Is, how about if we've had a, a natural infection, God forbid, and then we get vaccinated, how are we doing? The real, and again, with the caveat that I'm not a scientist, doctor, researcher, or clinician in any way, shape, or form, but I try to gather these things and bounce them off people, it seems to me that we're missing two things. Number one, what's your antibody status? So I'm looking at the decision now of, do I get a booster? Okay, not opposed to it. My primary care doctor says I probably need it. Well, I'd like to know what my antibody count is. So if I get it and then I test it again, what happened when I got the booster? And we're not Mm -hmm. talking about antibody counts. And then the other thing that seems to be out is therapies, right? And that, you know, Merck's got a pill now that they think might help with this issue. And Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the, the arc of, you know, medical and pharmaceutical research uh, you know, can we, you know, diagnose, prevent, and treat diseases? But people want to talk about it in these really simple terms, give us your vaccine passport, which, by the way, what I tongue-in-cheek refer to as free America that we were driving through, and then contrast that with California. And I ask people, like, they're all, you know, and this is another division, people that need to go to work at regular jobs are required to wear a mask. People that are wealthy enough or have good enough jobs to not require that don't. It's almost like a class division. And, mm-hmm. it, and you know, look, at if I'm vaccinated, which I am, I don't care if my waiter's got a mask on or not. In fact, I think it's absurd. And especially if that wait person or that driver or the person in the hotel has had a vaccine, you know, theoretically, we're, we're pretty darn safe. And, yeah. and we, you know, look, we've all seen the uh, videos of leaders uh, professing everybody needs to wear a mask, but when they're gathering on their own, nobody's got a mask on. I mean, that to me really highlights where we're at. And so I asked people that would marry the mask. I said, do you think that does any good? And they go, well, no. I said, well, why are you wearing it? Well, because I, I have to have this to earn a living. And that to me is a dangerous thought process. And, mm-hmm. and also that the way that the technology works on the, you know, the digital vaccine passport. Uh, yeah. 
it, it, it's really invasive. Does anybody think masking a toddler makes any sense? To my knowledge, there is not a lick of data, not even a valid hypothesis that says slapping a mask on a two-year-old is helpful. And in fact, we already know it's damaging. And, and we're damaging, there's a byproduct of every policy. I think it's child abuse, all right, until somebody corrects me. Well, what was the question, Brian? I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> we're going to move on to Biden. Okay. So uh, President Biden, when he was being elected, really was critical about Trump's uh, handling of the COVID uh, situation and said, look, you know, if you have this many people unvaccinated, that is an absolute indictment of the president. President should have that under control. Well, we're fast forward six, seven, eight months into the president, uh, President Biden's campaign, and, and we're kind of uh, while we're a little bit more vaxxed, we're still having trouble. What are your thoughts about that and how that's been handled uh, by the Biden administration? Yet he, he doesn't have many wins this year so far. Well, sometimes I wonder what game he's playing to get get the wins. But I actually said this during the campaign: was it sounded like Joe Biden was running against a virus? I yeah. read recently where. Some people are claiming that his downdraft and approval ratings is that the virus isn't under control. It, look, when indeed it is. And remember that the first vaccine was approved during the transition period between the election and the inauguration. Something on the order of 185 million Americans have been vaccinated. That's right. no small task. I do think that the way that the vaccine has been approached and the the public information about it has been horrible under both administrations. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look, they it's the it's the one tool at their disposal that they have, but it's not the only tool. Again, the right measure should be what's your antibody status. According to you know the pundits, everybody in Texas and Florida is dead. But again, this thing seems to take a normal arc. And the challenge today is how do we manage this as a an endemic? And, mm -hmm. you know, look, flu shots were required by certain employers, you know, healthcare by way of example. And most people over a certain age were encouraged to get a flu shot. And, and I started taking it, you know, just based mm -hmm. on age. And that's kind of a good place, maybe. But I'll, you know, wait for Dr. Baker and others to return to, to talk to us uh, more um, about that. But again, you've got to remember that the... 2020 election was way, way, way more a referendum on President Trump and, and people were just done with that than it was an endorsement of Biden. And, and really, you know, he was never vetted and, and people didn't really know what they were getting. I would imagine in a quiet moment, not even the most staunch Democrat would say, yeah, we've got, th this is what the country needs, 330 million people, and this is the best we can do. Um, yeah, I think that was anybody but Trump vote. For yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And Trump brought it on himself. So, um, you know, he had a, a golden opportunity and he blew it and um, he continues to misbehave. Anyway. OK, we're getting toward the end here. So I want to do a lightning round if it's all right. Um, yeah, but one, one of the things, Brian, you asked me before we went on the air. OK, mm -hmm. you asked me if I was in the press pool, what are the one or two questions I'd ask President Biden? And I'm like, that's right. God, I don't know. It's like, would it be infrastructure? Would it be the southern border? Would it be, you know, like, like, would it be COVID? Like, how does COVID relate to the southern border? You know, I, I don't know what it is. So, but I, I now have an answer for you. Here's what I'd like to ask <laughs> okay. him. Okay. All right. And for those of you old enough to remember Art Linkletter's show called House Party, at the end, he'd have 
uh, a bunch of small children there. And We're going back. Okay. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, <laughs> but if, for those of you who haven't seen it, imagine, I don't know how old the kids were, five, let's say, um, yeah, sitting on stools and he'd ask them questions. They were just obviously darling. His favorite question would be, what did your mom and dad tell you not to talk about on TV today? And the kid, you know, kid would be like, oh, don't mention Uncle John has a still in his basement and stuff like that. <laughs> so the question I, I would ask would be, um, you know, President Biden, uh, what did they tell you not to talk about today? And then my follow-up, <laughs> and then my follow-up question would be, who told you not to answer any questions? <laughs> and that's the thing that's like the president of the United States is at the podium and goes, well, they told me not to answer any questions. Today. Yeah, he says that a lot. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, all right. Like, who's who's the they here? You know? All right. Go ahead. Uh, you said lightning round. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. These will these just be tough ones. So I, I hope they don't catch out of the blue. So uh, Steve Bannon refuses to testify in this uh, January 6th stuff. Go ahead. Okay, so first of all, Bannon is another guy that needs to go away. He's also really smart, and he's a chess player. I think he's forcing an issue someplace. I don't know what it is, but already he's stimulated the president to say that people that won't testify should be tracked down and, and prosecuted. Right. And uh, that. now the press secretary is trying to walk that back. I think eventually you'll hear Bannon talking. But, you know, in the press today, there's so much disinformation out there. I mean, let's face it. There was the, a sitting president of the United States told people don't trust the election. That happened. Donald Trump did it for months. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump said, march to the Capitol. I'll see you there. He did it. Donald Trump did tell uh, Vice President Pence uh, to stop the count. There were people saying, hang Mike Pence. Okay, that, I mean, it's as bad as it gets. But then I wonder, why do people have to exaggerate? There were uh, dozens uh, injured and five people killed. It's like, oh God, it's like there weren't five people killed. There was like uh, one person killed. Her name uh, was Ashley Babbitt. She was shot uh, by a, a Capitol uh, Police officer. Um, but I, because two people that happened to be in D.C. that day went to the ER with heart attacks, they don't count the uh, officers that sadly um, committed suicide. They don't count. OK, so so it makes me wonder, like, it's a bad situation. But when you start exaggerating it, it just makes me wonder, you, you know, how credible you are. Bannon needs to own the fact that the president he backed is directly responsible for this that went down and it's a dark stain on the country. Okay. All right. Vice president Harris shoots a video to make her more likable. Uh, that's a kind of a fun one. Lightning uh, okay. round answer. All on right. That. All right. In the, in the how pathetic can you get while the Taliban are advancing on Kabul, uh, the vice president hires Canadian actors and the production company, was called Sinking Ship Entertainment. Just <laughs> let's just move on because if there was okay. comedy allowed right. today, you couldn't get any better than this. <laughs> All right. Does Trump, does Trump have a hold on the GOP? Um, he does on certain parts of the GOP, and the GOP needs to let go. Uh, Chuck Grassley, latest embarrassment, 
said, I, yeah, I want Trump's endorsement because a lot of people listen to him. Trump needs to go away. He's toxic to the Republicans. He's not playing for the Republicans. He's not playing for the United States of America. He's playing for Donald J. Trump. The responsible thing for him to do as a losing candidate, hello, you are a losing candidate, is to go away. And when the elections come up, something very simple as, you know, given the two choices in front of you, I think this is the better candidate and shut up. He won't do it. And that's why you've got the the GOP in this quandary. And again, I'll remind my listeners and viewers that I said in 2016, the only good news from Donald Trump being nominated is that he would blow out the establishment of the Republican Party. It's a nuclear bomb. Anyway, sorry for the long answer. Gotcha. Okay. We have a lot more of these to go. So lightning round again. I don't know how you're going to do lightning round on this. Durham indicts Mark Sussman. Okay. So first of all, for those that aren't following the story, the Perkins Coy law firm, which is the law firm for the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign, hired a company called Fusion GPS, whose boss, Glenn Simpson, hired Christopher Steele. And then Steele put together the obviously false Steele dossier that suddenly nobody wants to touch. Also in that law firm, at the same time, this other attorney, Mark Sussman, took a story to the FBI, to um, uh, Baker, who is the lead counsel for the FBI and said, hey, we've discovered direct transmissions between Trump Tower and Alpha Bank in Russia. And I remember when that story came out, I go like, that doesn't even make sense electronically, you know, digitally, like that's just stupid. Uh, The story had to be knowingly false. So he takes it to the FBI and says, hey, you got to investigate this. The Clinton campaign starts tweeting about it like a day later. Okay. So Durham charges the guy with lying to the FBI. The left-wing media lights up that, hey, it's not material, whatever. But the the interesting thing that's already come out, this so-called innocent thing, the same law firm as the Steele dossier, and by the way, a bunch of those lawyers just left before all this hit. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go on that tangent. We'll come back to that on voting someday. It's a big Um, topic. Yeah. Big topic. So Sussman, he told the, the FBI he wasn't working for any particular client. But he was billing the Clinton campaign during the time he's meeting with the FBI to give them this false story that he had to know was false. Because if you don't think it's false, you're a bloody idiot. Yeah, that's a long topic. But will justice ever be done? I don't know. But um, I can kind of see who the bad guys are here. Okay, more lightning round. Uh, GOP not voting to raise debt limit. Okay, grow up, Republicans. (laughs) Dumbasses. All right. How's that for a short answer? Okay, good enough. Uh, Policy of Biden to cut down on billionaires avoiding taxes. (laughs) Okay. If this was a comedy show, it'd be funny. Yeah. So the and Janet Yellen, who I respect, with a straight face saying that the way we're going to trap billionaires cheating on their taxes is we're going to track every transaction through our banking system for $600 or more. Because that's how billionaires cheat on their taxes. Right, Janet? Yeah, I don't know who you're chasing, but it sure as hell is not the Bernie Madoffs of the world, you know, the current day, whoever they are. Former chief of police, James Craig, who has announced his candidacy for the governor to run against Governor Whitmer, um, James being Republican, says we need to uh, now says we need to audit the election. Yeah. So, look, I had I have a great admirer of Chief Craig and a great he was on your show. He was on my yeah. show. Again, as you well know, we. We try to get him for months and months and months to talk about mm-hmm. the marvelous he 
job that he and along with Mayor Duggan did to protect Detroit during all the unrest in 2020, the great way he's worked with community groups and the Detroit Police Department. I I don't know who his advisors are, but nobody wants the elections audited. The elections are over. I think Michigan did a great job in it. And and I, I just I can't fathom why you use up your political capital when you have a simple message about I have leadership and integrity and look what the other brands brought you. I, I, I it's and, just, it's like, yeah. it's like a colossally stupid move. So let's go to the next one. Compare and contrast. Well, you got to t- uh, the 2022 elections and the 2024 elections coming up and the interviews in between. What do you think? Do you think it's a litmus test for the Republicans or for the Democrats or both or what? Oh, okay. Well, you know, if you watch the reporting and read the reporting, which I do because it's part of my job, the litmus test for every Republican is, do you think the 2020 election was stolen? And they're trying to basically pin them back to either, oh, this guy's against Trump or this guy's buying into conspiracy theory. And my counter to that was, you should ask every Democrat, do you believe that there was Russian collusion in the 2016 election? Because we now know that it was complete bullshit. There's not a lick of it. And the extremes that people have gone to to try to say that something's there, it, it's just laughable. And it's, it's a, you know, I've seen people detonate their own integrity by trying to beat that dead horse and that false story forever. All right. So last thing, crazy stuff. <laughs> you, I know you could make this a two hour episode if we do this. <laughs> it seems we've already covered that. <laughs> well, you, you, we were talking earlier about the homicide rates going, you know, uh, all around the country, whether it's because, because of COVID or whatever. Yeah. But um, you were saying something about the Justice Department instead going after what? Well, the Justice Departments were going after PTA moms. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I look, I remember a time when. Uh, that an involved parents were cheered. And and I've heard from public school teachers and private school teachers and their biggest lament for for decades has been, you know, the, the parents aren't engaging with the schools. So the parents engage with the schools and they get called domestic terrorists and the Justice Department makes it a priority. Like at the same time, by the way, that Real homicide rates are skyrocketing and people are going, God, I wonder if this had anything to do with the defunding of the police. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, you asked me, is this crazy stuff? Let me just leave it there. Does this make any sense to anybody? It's good to see that most of the police departments around the country have been refunded and, and, and more, which kind of takes us to uh, Portland. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Short version. Crazy things. Portland burned again a couple (laughs) of nights ago. I I, I don't know what's going on there, but it's like they have to know who it is that's doing this. Why are we letting an American city get destroyed like this again? Set on fire, terrorized, can't do business there again. I, I don't get it. Period. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, let's wrap this up. Um, we have some great guests coming up. Yes, we this do. It's going to be a great season. Um, anything you want to reflect on who you have coming uh, yeah. up the pipeline? or? Well, one, one a very low-covered story that we, we've got a an active DEA agent that we, has agreed to be on the show. We're uh, negotiating a recording time to talk about how fentanyl gets in the country, how deadly it is, how it comes in through the cartels. And the heartbreaking thing is that children are able to use social media and order it and they're dying in their bedrooms. And it's, it's a tragic, tragic thing that, that needs to be addressed. We have a returning guest in Professor Rick Geddes, who's talked about infrastructure and he is 
going to be talking about his That's book right. called Saving the Mail. He's an expert on the postal system, which you know was set up as a cabinet-level position. So we can't wait to get Professor Gettys back on. He's always a delightful guy. Bill Michaels, who was an early guest on our show, who is an international expert on supply chain, breaking down for us what's going on in terms of the supply chain. We've got a guest on, very spiritual, Appella, Colorado, who works with indigenous peoples around the world as has been doing so for the past 40-ish years. A, a wonderful story, and we'll be reviewing her book. In fact, I've got that here. I'm getting a lot of reading done these days, Brian. There you go. We have her book, Women Between the World. We'll also be talking more about critical race theory and Professor Ruparalia, pro-CRT position. Uh, we're looking for a credible person to come on for perhaps a different perspective. We will continue to be dealing with guns and firearms and such because it seems that nobody elected wants to do that. The Common Bridge is designed to be fiercely nonpartisan for those people that are still with us on this podcast. I hope you found something to not like because the talking point media is out there and that there's thinking beyond that. And Hopefully, and their ratings are way down. I think people are striving for a, a message like yours, and, and I think that's what's helped you get to 1.5 million engagements. People are interested in talking to somebody for more than two seconds or 10 seconds, and they're tired of being manipulated. Exactly. And, and right. And, and there's a lot of podcasts that are starting up that it's like, oh, there's the NBC, MSNBC podcast. Oh, there's the Fox podcast. We have these incredible tools at our disposal to talk to each other. The thing that we can't govern is how people use them. But, you know, just like when we're driving down the highway, we have these multi-ton things that are capable of doing great harm, also capable of transporting us where we want to go, as long as we operate them smartly and that the people around us do the same thing. I, I kind of think this is the right parallel with the these media tools that we have today. Let's operate them for our own benefit to take us into the future. Yeah, it sounds like a really good season coming up, and uh, and we'll see you next week. I look forward to it, Brian. I look forward to some of the guests coming up, and it's great to see you. And uh, I, I did get my kicks on Route 66, so uh, <laughs> ready to go for season three. All right, man. Take care. You too, man. Be good. God bless. Thanks for joining us on The Common Bridge. Remember to rate us, review us, and comment about what you heard today, and recommend us to your friends. Visit us at richardhelpy.com and sign up for special promotions. This broadcast was produced by Stunt3 Media and is available on YouTube and all podcast directories. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy.